0: You are listening to the After the Stork Podcast, Infant and Toddler Sleep with Megan Robert, Episode 4. In this episode, I dive into the misconception that sleep training means cry it out. In this stork community, cry it out or unmodified extinction is only one of several options for sleep training methods. It is not an interchangeable term for sleep training. I also dive into the five questions to consider when you are deciding upon a sleep training method to use in order to help your child fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently. Welcome to the After the Stork podcast Infant and Toddler Sleep with Megan Robert. That's me, creator and host. If you have an infant or toddler, and sleep is a priority for your family, if you want to create healthy sleep habits and a strong and safe sleep foundation for your little one, if you desire a predictable schedule that permits time for things like self-care, date nights, and planned outings, if you need your bed back or want your child sleeping in their own sleep space and desire to follow safe sleep guidelines, if you crave an overall well-rested and thriving family, well, you've come to the right place. As an infant and toddler sleep consultant, I built this podcast to bring you all things infant and toddler sleep and sleep training so that you can have the confidence in making informed decisions that are best for your family when it comes to your child's sleep. Your child is worth it. Your family is worth it. And moms, dads, you are worth it. Now let's dive in. In the last episode, episode three, I explained what sleep training means in this stork community. One of the common misconceptions when it comes to the term sleep training is to automatically believe that the person referring to sleep training means cry it out. I see this in Facebook groups where parents are reaching out for support, stating that they are sleep training, and the moment that their post hits that screen, someone automatically assumes that the individual is referring to cry it out, or CIO, as you will see it written. Or when someone is just talking about the fact that they are sleep training their child, it's assumed that they mean they are using the method of cry it out. So today's episode is all about debunking this myth that sleep training means Cry It Out. Basically, I'm going to explain how we and the Store community define Cry It Out and how to go about choosing a sleep training method, Cry It Out or otherwise, if one of your infant or toddler's culprits for sleep struggles is the inability to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently. If you recall from the last episode regarding sleep training, I talked all about how sleep training is more than just choosing a method. Choosing a method has to do with helping your child learn this ability to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently, but this is only one piece of the puzzle. If you have not yet listened to the last episode, I highly encourage you to go listen to that so that throughout this episode, we are on the same page about what sleep training means and what it entails. So let's start with defining what cry it out means. When having a discussion with someone about cry it out or any specific term really, It is important to understand how that person perceives the word, because if you are not on the same page regarding what a term means, you cannot really be on the same page when having a discussion about it. Recently, a nanny had reached out to me asking for my advice regarding a situation she had experienced with the topic of cry it out. She is working for a family with an infant boy who struggles with naps and a mother who has stated that she never wishes to use cry it out. One day, as the nanny could see how tired the baby was, she placed him down for his nap and gave him a little bit of time to see how he would respond. With only a few minutes of crying and about 10 minutes total in the crib, he fell asleep. Believing that this was a success, the nanny texted the mother to share. But much to the nanny's surprise, the mother was not happy to hear this and responded with a reminder that she does not want to ever use cried out. This left the nanny confused as she believed she had followed the mother's wishes and was only sharing a win about nap time. This conversation got me curious to hear what my audience in the stork community thought about this. So I shared this story on my Facebook page at afterthestork.megan. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. But I asked my audience, I I shared the story, and I said, in your opinion, was the nanny going against the mother's wishes and using cried out? Or do you think the nanny was doing her job to help the child get the sleep that he needed? To some people, yes, the situation was cried out. But to most of my audience, anyway, the answer was no, absolutely not. So if you're going to be listening to this podcast, again, a common theme you'll find is I want us to be on the same page about what we mean when we use certain terms. So first, what does cry it out mean? Cry it out started as a term coined for the sleep training method that involves putting a child down at a time designated for sleep and providing space for the child to work on the skill of falling asleep and connecting sleep cycles independently with zero parental involvement unless the child was waking at a time for a true feeding or a time to wake. Another name for it, unmodified extinction, which will be the term I use in future episodes. Cry it out or unmodified extinction is just one of several sleep training options for how parents decide to respond or not respond to their children during a time for sleep when helping to master that learned skill of falling asleep and connecting sleep cycles independently. However, somewhere along the way, cry it out became a common term used when referring to any crying that might occur during a behavioral sleep intervention, aka sleep training and it received a bad rep with the false idea that it will damage a child. But more on that in a future episode when we debunk that myth. Unfortunately, I've seen the term used in this way to instill fear and shame and guilt to those who are either considering sleep training or already going through the process or maybe have already successfully done sleep training. Now, I fully support parents making informed decisions best for their children and families. If someone does not wish to sleep train, I would never want to push it on them. However, I do not support scaring or shaming parents who are considering sleep training if it is right for them, especially if the person does not understand what sleep training truly entails as I have explained in episode three of this podcast. What is best for one family does not make it best for another. I know there are many parents out there who fear sleep training, but would not if they knew the truth. I know this because I have worked with those families, I have worked with those parents, and I have seen how important changing their sleep situation was for their entire family. But with the loosely used version of cry it out as an interchangeable term for sleep training, many parents are left believing that it is the only option and that it will harm their child. So they go on suffering much longer than necessary due to semantics. And this dork community, when I use the term cry it out or unmodified extinction, I am using the term as the first definition. One option of many when it comes to choosing your level of parental involvement when sleep training. The fact is that you actually have numerous options to choose from when deciding on the sleep training method you would like to implement. Each method falls somewhere on a spectrum of parental involvement ranging from no involvement to high involvement. No involvement includes zero parental involvement during the onset of sleep. Cry it out or unmodified extinction is the only method in this category. Little to medium involvement includes, but is not limited to, FERBER or graduated extinction. Timed checks, the sleep wave. High involvement includes the presence of a parent during the onset of sleep. It includes but is not limited to methods such as camping out, the sleep lady shuffle, and pick up, put down. I have only mentioned a handful of options here. And if I am being honest, so many exist that I do not even know all of the options out there. Choosing which level of involvement will depend on a few factors. I would suggest that you reflect on the following five questions before making a decision. One, which level of involvement will be best for your child's personality and age? For example, I do not suggest cry it out or unmodified extinction for older children or children out of the crib. I would suggest something like the reverse sleep wave or the sleep lady shuffle in addition to hosting a family meeting to set up expectations for all involved, being intentional with your daily conversations and routines, and the other components necessary for sleep no matter the age as discussed in episode three when I define sleep training and everything that it entails, my acronym Ezra Plus. I'll include the link to that episode in the show notes. The second question I would suggest you reflect on is, with which level of involvement are you most comfortable using? If you are not comfortable with cry it out or unmodified extinction, you do not have to use it. You have options. Question three, which method fits into your current situation? perhaps camping out would be the best option for you. It makes you more comfortable. It's it's a method that you would rather use. But it's a method that works for someone who doesn't have other children to look after or someone who isn't working from home. So if you're someone who has other children to consider and or you are working from home, then camping out might not be the best option for your situation. Another option might be timed checks, This might be the best choice at an interval you are comfortable using. For example, I generally suggest five minutes for families using the timed checks. However, we have adjusted it to two minute intervals for some families who wanted to peek into the room more frequently. Question four to ask when you are deciding on a sleep training method to use is with which method are you most likely able to follow through to the end? Let's say you choose camping out and have no current situation that would prevent you from being able to do this. However, if you think you might end up picking up your child when this is not part of the pattern you have been providing, choose a different method. Question five, have you tried sleep training in the past? If so, did you see it through? If not, why? Again, choosing a method you can follow through with long enough for your child to pick up on a pattern and to adjust to the change occurring. If you keep trying to sleep train, but then don't give your child time to learn, the next time you try will potentially be more difficult because your child experienced the first time. When you are choosing a method, make sure to go into it with a positive yet realistic mindset. Although you have a variety of methods from which to pick, you cannot control whether or not your baby is going to cry. Crying is to be expected at some level. Your infant is human, and this is change. When you have the combination of change And an overtired child, it is unrealistic to expect zero tears. If you choose a more involved method, pay attention to how your presence affects your child. Being present does not mean zero tears. Some infants do really well, while others need you to give them more space. I have had several clients who start with the more involved methods and come to recognize on their own that their presence is more disturbing than helpful. I find the more attuned a parent is with their infant's responses to their involvement, the more quickly they make the adjustments needed to reach restful nights for all. It can be very easy to let emotions drive you when you are exhausted and your baby is upset. Try to remain logical about how and why you respond. This is why a solid sleep plan with the right kind of support is so beneficial. So there you have it. Five questions to reflect on when choosing your level of involvement a.k.a. the sleep training method that you will choose to use while helping your child to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently. I believe the term cry it out is tossed around too loosely, leaving parents believing it is their only option when it comes to working through infant sleep struggles. And with it having an invalid yet bad reputation of damaging children, it can scare a lot of parents away from sleep training altogether. But as I explained in episode three, Sleep training, that is achieving healthy, quality sleep for your baby, is not just about which method you choose. You are going to hear me say this so much throughout this podcast's episodes. Sleep training is so much more than that. It requires that all key elements necessary for sleep are in place. If you choose a method, whether it be cry it out or not, and are missing other key elements, your child will most likely continue to struggle with sleep and you'll feel a false assumption such as sleep training doesn't work. My child doesn't need as much sleep as others. My child can't do it. For this exact reason, I encourage you to create a sleep plan prior to implementing any sleep training method so that you take into consideration all of the pieces of the puzzle to decrease the amount of tears and time sleep training could potentially take to see success more quickly. Get a copy of my freebie, The 5 Key Components to Consider in Every Infant and Toddler Sleep Plan. I will include the link in the show notes. This document explains the five areas that I evaluate for every single child's sleep. Don't drag on months or years without sleep if you are ready for change. Cry it out or not, there is so much more to sleep training. And you have options. Don't avoid achieving the sleep that you need. Don't live in fear of sleep training because of the naysayers. Armor yourself with knowledge and do what is best for your child and your family. Because your child is worth it, your family is worth it, and you are worth it. Thanks for tuning in to the After the Stork podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. By doing all of those things, you can help me to reach more families in need of guidance with their little one's sleep. And if you don't already, follow me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle afterthestork.megan. That's afterthestork.m-e-g-a-n. And if you desire support with your little one's sleep journey, you can reach out to me directly on either one of those platforms. I hope to see you there.